Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tell Me More. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Meyer. On the show, we break down some of the worst conversations in healthcare. Why? Because I believe that together we can build better ones. This week, we are talking about something that I personally have just had horrendous experience with recently, and that is the dreaded time of life known as menopause. Um, So I was talking to our guest today, Liz, who uh, was kind enough to share her story with me about how bad we are at talking to patients about menopause, this idea that this change in a woman's life is part of what is supposed to happen and therefore not a condition that we need to address medically, which is just false because, you know, to quote myself a minute ago, menopause just freaking sucks in so many ways, and we need to be better about talking about it. So Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to ask you some nitty gritty personal stuff, Liz. And if you are not comfortable, just say, "Ah, I don't want to answer that. But how old are you? I will be 58 in October. 58. So your average woman goes through menopause, you know, somewhere in her early-ish 50s, some women in their 40s, but like 50-ish, let's say. So how long has it been since you had a period? So it has been over a year. I went through menopause later than most. Um, I also got my period as a teen later than most. I don't know if the two are correlated, but um, I started going through the symptoms of menopause, um, I would say spring, summer of 2021, and it completely went through its its course uh, by last summer. Interesting. So, wow. So that is later than most. And that that is so great because I think immediately like this is helpful to listeners because you might not fit the textbook definition, you know, you Mm. might start through start going through menopause later. And you're right. I mean, getting your period later and going through menopause later, there is a correlation because, you know, evolutionarily we were created to make babies. And so, you know, you need this amount of time to contribute to the population. But anyway, another conversation. So, um, so a year ago, and what were the first symptoms you had? Like, what was your, ah, something's happening to me here. Right. So the very first symptoms I would say was a a very erratic period. I had always been steady Eddie my entire life, you know, clockwork to the, to the calendar date, um, get the period five to seven days over, start again the next month. Um, and the first set of symptoms were, uh, you know, one, one month I would get barely anything. And then, uh, the next month it would be a gusher almost felt mm-hmm. like, you know, water was breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the very first symptoms. And along with those symptoms, I would say I had the classic night sweats, um, and a heat flash, you know, the, the blanket on again, off again moments that we yeah. all talk about. So, and and that sounds exactly like what happened to me. Like first, you know, period was goofy. And I was also like regular as rain um, until I wasn't. But those type of symptoms, like at least for me, and it sounds like for you, were not really the ones that you're like, I need to see a doctor, right? Right. What kind of, when did the symptoms that you're like, oh my God, I need to talk to somebody. When did those start and what were they? Okay. So, um... For me, the symptoms were weight gain, 
that would not come off. Um, I'm an I'm an athlete. I've always been very active. Um, I've had periods of weight gain before in my life. And when those periods came around, I would just be more mindful of what I was eating, more mindful of exercise. I would, you know, start tracking and the, the, it would slush off because um, it was just as easy for me to lose weight as gain weight. So this was weight gain that would not come off despite effort. Um, uh, you know, that, that pouch in the middle that just kept getting flabbier. Um, and then I had what I think would be considered some atypical uh, symptoms. I had um, I had uh, severe arthritis mm. in my knees. Um, and that's really what brought me to investigating my menopausal symptoms um, and quality of life issues. Uh, that's what brought me to, to doctors. Now, you know, again, as an athlete, I've, I've rode my knees hard. I also have family history of arthritis. So, um, I, I knew that, um, so I had mild arthritis prior to going into this, but when I say within a year and a half, I had this acute increase of symptoms to the point where I could not walk up steps, um, being in a car for a long period of time, uh, I I would have to like stretch my knee out before I could put weight on it. Mm. Um, I could no longer run, no longer jump, no longer do. Uh, I, I had to quit the gym. I'm a second degree oh. black belt. I could no longer kick or spin or rotate or do any of those issues. Um, and it was really all of my effort in figuring out what's going on with my body has been led by my desire to have a better quality of life in my knees. Yeah. Oh my God. So, so interesting. Okay. Cause if I, as a woman and as a doctor, if somebody asked me like list the top 10 symptoms of menopause, I don't think arthritis would make that list. Maybe like very, very low down and more like, at least for me, like, oh my God, suddenly I feel old. Like this morning I woke up and I just feel old. Uh, Everything is like creaky and achy and that is not what I used to be, but I wouldn't say it's like, like I need to stretch to get out of the car. Like that is, I am shocked yeah. and it so glad to talk times, to you about this. 10 times. Wow. Worse than that. Wow. So, okay. So let's talk about, so the, the knee thing, and, and this is important, right? Cause you said weight gain. And then you said the osteoarthritis, the knee pain, which kept you from being able to do all of the athletics that you're used to doing, which obviously also doesn't help with the weight gain. Exactly. Exactly. So you're in this like terrible cycle. Um, So tell me about the medical conversations you had. So you're like, I got to do something, this weight, this arthritis, can't do it. Okay. So um, uh, while I was, I, I guess just prior to, to me hitting menopause, um, I was already seeing an orthopedic because I had uh, I had had an injury, a, a field hockey injury that required surgery. Um, and my orthopedic is a great doctor. I trust him implicitly. He's an athlete's doctor. Um, and I believe that he was treating me to the best of his profession Ability. through his lens. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went through that surgery. I went through PT after that surgery, fully expected to get back to where I was before, which was again, mild arthritis, which had been seen by my MRI, but not- uh, wait, back up, Liz, what surgery did you have? Uh, meniscus. 
Okay. Okay. So right he, he was like part of this, you know, severe pain you're having is. Well, I, I actually this, had had an actual injury that mm-hmm. I went to him, but through that, he was like, well, you know, your MRI, MRI also shows that you have mild arthritis, mm-hmm. but it had never really affected me to the point that I couldn't perform the way I wanted to perform. Right. Um, so I get through that surgery. I go through PT. I'm, I'm looking for, you know, my ability and, and uh, competency of my knees to, to, to build up again. Around that same time, I'm starting to hit menopause and go through some of the, the menopause uh, changes. And my knees just kept getting worse and worse. So he's treating my knees the way an orthopedic would treat treated. I had some cortisone shots. I would go for visco shots regularly. Um, and, and I believe again, through his lens, he was treating the way an orthopedic would treat someone who was who's struggling with, with knee pain and ongoing, ongoing knee pain. Mm-hmm. Um, around that time, <laughs> another uh, symptom, which I, I think was menopause related and I hadn't mentioned was I was having some gut issues, mm-hmm. um, to the point where the people in my life are like, Liz, you need to go get these gut issues checked out. Mm-hmm. So last summer, I, I went to a GI doctor to get the gut issues checked out. Um, that, that GI did a series of blood work, and which came back completely normal, except for, hey, look at you, you've got fatty liver disease out of nowhere. Wow. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. even have, I don't even have the, um, the the cause cause factors for that. I'm not diabetic. I'm not obese. I'm not a drinker. But here I have perfectly fine blood work, except for the markers for fatty liver disease. Mm-hmm. So between that, the the gut uh, issues, the um, the arthritis, I personally just started to do some research. Um, look at that. There's a correlation between fatty liver disease and menopause. Look at that. There's actually some research there, and I'm I'm not talking like just any old Google site. I'm I'm talking about you know studies, National mm-hmm. Institute of Health. There's mm-hmm. a correlation between estrogen deficiency and osteoarthritis. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe we've always known there's a correlation with osteoporosis, mm-hmm. but but I found a study you know linking it to osteoarthritis. Um, so you know here and now I'm at two different specialists who are giving me their best treatment options in their lanes. Mm-hmm. Um, around that time, I go for an annual at my primary, have conversations. We talk about, you know, other ways for, for weight loss, um, trying to get some different type of exercise besides weightlifting into the picture. Um, I'm taking supplements that I have looked up and uh, have you know supported um, knees and weight and and all of those those things. Um, I go to a nutritionist in January. Okay, maybe I'm doing something wrong nutritionally because in my mind, I need to lose weight because for every pound that you gain, that puts four pounds of pressure on your knees. And I'm all about getting back to my quality of life, right? Yeah, so I'm yeah. doing everything I can to drop this twenty pounds so that my knees are feeling better. Let's go back because, you know, this, my favorite episodes are the ones where I throw myself under the bus. (laughs) (laughs) It's for some reason, I think it just resonates with people. And I'm going to be completely honest. I am. Yes, you were my primary. (laughs) And I remember this conversation very clearly uh, 
I even remember talking to you about like HIIT training yes. because that is, you know, a faster way to burn calories, et cetera. But to which so, I internally rolled my eyes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't be the first one. So <laughs> let's dig into that conversation because okay. you're right. You know, your orthopedist is a bone and joint guy. Mm-hmm. Your GI doctor is a stomach gut digestion person. Um, You weren't seeing a gynecologist because I was doing your primary GYN care, right? So Mm -hmm. be just honest with me. How could I have done better in that conversation I had with you? How did you feel after that? Yeah. So I felt frustrated because I heard what you were saying. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, if I could, I would. Mm -hmm. But I can't do a burpee. I can't Mm -hmm. hit the ground and pop back up because I don't have the knee support to do that. Um, Even at that point, you know, a great HIIT workout or kettlebells and swinging the bells. Almost every type of workout around hits involves some sort of bending of your knee joints. And at that point, Every time I bent my knee joints, every time I tried to do a squat, even a bodyweight squat, I was in excruciating pain. Mm -hmm. So it frustrated me. Yes, could I jump on a treadmill? Could I jump on a Cybrix? I could do those things. They bore me to tears. You know, Mm -hmm. I could set the Cybrix to go, you know, intense for for a minute, off for 30. I, I could do those things. Honestly, the way I work out, they were just boring for me. And so I was falling back on what I could do. I could lift heavy weights. I'm just going to lift all the heavy weights because I know that helps with weight loss and hope that it all finally comes together. So, so to the conversation piece, because I think this is almost, you know, two very separate, but related podcast episodes. One is what the hell? There's so much weird stuff about menopause that we don't understand. Mm -hmm. Osteoarthritis weight gain, uh, digestive issues, not things that you immediately associate with menopause. But the second half is really the conversation half, right? So first of all, I'm so sorry that you left that visit frustrated. And, you know, (laughs) I could say so many things and this podcast is not about me, but but I do want it to sort of be about me because if I can just say to people, look, there are times when I suck. And I'm telling you as a podcast host, trying to make things better that this is on me. I think it it uh, adds validity to the conversation, right? So for me, uh, on my half of our conversation, you know, first of all, I just didn't know. I didn't know that osteoarthritis was a significant part of menopause to the degree that you were saying. So that's on me. I definitely should have said, Hey, I don't know that, but let me figure it out. Let me help you by doing some medical research instead of like, you know, putting it all on you. Um, The other thing is weight gain. We do know is a significant part of menopause, but to be honest with you as a doctor, I'm trying to think like, why don't we do better with that? I think it's because we don't have an answer. I think it's because there's like nothing to tell you except do more exercise, eat less food, you know, and that's not your fault. That's not my fault. 
really. I mean, that is all we can tell you. But there is something to be said about the delivery of that message, right? So let's just harp for a second on that conversation with me, your primary, because had you had a gynecologist, your gynecologist would have been your menopause expert, right? And that's where these conversations would have happened. But at the time, it was me. So if all I can tell you is weight gain is part of it, how could I have done that better? What, what could, what would I, yeah. So I think what would have helped me was to have, um, to her, Liz, I hear you. And, and I can see how frustrated you are. This, you know, I, I, I wasn't dealing with a life or death situation, right? So many of your podcasts are on really big medical issues and you, and you cut to the chase on, on things that really affect people's lives. For me, it's was quality of life. So it, in in a in a little bit i kind of felt like well you know it's kind of inconsequential Mm. but not to me personally right so maybe if if you had said i hear you and i hear how frustrating this is and i and i know you keep bringing up your knees um i I don't have much research on that and honestly you don't have much research on that because there's not much out there i Mm. I think we're a population that doesn't get a lot of research studied (laughs) so you know that is really not your fault. It's just society doesn't really study menopause because like you said earlier in the podcast, we just, we're just expected to go through it and it is what it is. Um, yeah, I, I knew there was something more going on with me. Um, and, and maybe to have partnered a little bit more with you on that would have been helpful. I, I don't fault you though you again you were in your lane right you were you were treating from your lane which is not an obgyn you know the but you know and i don't want to like listen i do the very best i can and I, and to I be truthful do. i think i do better than a lot of doctors but agree but you know i definitely hear what you're saying in that they, I don't remember that day specifically. I remember that visit specifically, but I don't remember the like what the rest of my day was like. But, you know, I do think there may have been part of me that's like, oh, my God, Liz, seriously, everybody's knees hurt when they're 50 something years mm-hmm. old. And like, you know, I got to go call somebody and tell them they have colon cancer. Exactly. So, exactly. But, but, you know, to you, like to me, that may have been like, the the least critical 20 minutes of my day but to you you probably waited i don't know 6 months for that appointment you've probably been like saving up all of these things for a long time so no matter what i had to do outside of that room later i think i and i'm saying i'm using me as sort of you know how people use the word kleenex for all tissues i'm using mm-hmm. me for That's all doctors right. yeah i think right. like we me just need to remember that you, the patient, are there with your most critical thing for that day. And that is your context. And we owe it to you to stay within the confines of those four walls and that conversation and not let whatever else is happening out here bleed into that. Hmm. So death, I hear you definitely. And I wish I had said that then. And honestly, now that was what, a year ago, a year and a half ago? Uh it was a while back. Yeah. Yeah. So like since <laughs> since then, I have come into my own menopause journey. And right. I'm 
literally kicking myself. I'm like, oh my God, I totally get it now because yes, my knees don't severely hurt, but I do feel like I'm old and creaky and I have put on inexplicable five pounds for no reason doing the exact same thing. So um, you would end up doing your own research and I guess it was motivated by NAFLD, the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which- Yes, because that completely irritated me that time. Yeah. (laughs) So then what did you do? Okay, so I did a couple of things. Like I I stated um, in January when I just had been doing, you know, all the right things, tracking, trying to do all the exercise. I went to a nutritionist. I thought maybe I'm missing something. Um, I, I eat well. I'm I'm I think I'm I'm pretty educated about nutrition. She tweaked some things, protein levels, um, some max, you know, macros. Um I still wasn't losing. We she calculated my um, basal metabolic rate using the formula. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we came up with a caloric intake. She thought maybe I wasn't eating enough cal- calories, so I upped that. That was the wrong move for me. We eventually went to the machine, um, which I highly recommend to anybody who's able What's to do that. that. You blow into this machine. You breathe. Mm-hmm. You don't blow. You you breathe into this machine for a half an hour. And it takes uh, a much more accurate reading of your resting basal metabolic rate. And mm. mine is really, really low, mm. um, lower than than what, you know, common nutrition states you should have for, for daily calorie consumption. Um, so I Do you remember re- what that number was? Oh, yeah, I know it. It's 1010. For people who are listening and don't know, I want to explain this because it's a okay. really important concept. So. Your basal metabolic rate is basically uh, the number of calories you need to simply exist, right? Right. So sitting down or laying down basically for your heart to beat, your lungs to breathe, your hair to grow, that's the calories you need. And if you don't do exercise and you eat one calorie more than that, you will gain weight, right? Fortunately for most of us, you know, we do get up, we walk, we, you know, write with our hands, but those are very minimal calorie burning activities. So if you were not exercising and you were eating like 1200 calories a day, a pound is 3,500, you could see how over several days, weeks, you would have gained weight. Mm -hmm. So but what do you do? You can only exercise so much, especially with your knees. Um, you cannot eat less than 1,010 calories a day. Your right. body needs that. Yes. But you can't. What are you going to do? So what what ended up happening? Um, so I, I having that 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 number helped. Um, you know, she still recommended at least a minimal of 1,200 calories. Right. Um I, I will say I, I try to get to 1200 calories. I, I, I try to just listen to my body and eat when I'm hungry, eat healthy foods. Um, I'm not an extremist at all. Uh, as far as, you know, dieting or anything like that, I don't diet. Um, I just am trying to be more mindful of what my body says. So, but that number was helpful because if anything, it validated what, yes. what I was feeling. Right, right. Um, so that was just a part of the puzzle, you know, so now I'm in this maze. I've, I've, I've gone the orthopedic uh, path of the maze. 
you know, it, it hit a dead end. I came back. I've I've gone the GI path. I hit a dead end. I came back. I've hit the nutritionist. I've come back. None of these pathways, you know, get to the infinity stone in the middle, right? Like yeah. none, none of them are none of them are communicating with one another. That's just kind of the way our healthcare system works, right? We kind of specialize and you do your thing, but the specialties, unless it's a really major, you know, medical issue, the specialties really aren't communicating. Um but at least that gave me more information. I continued to research. Um, and that's when I came across that that National Institute of Health article that um, correlated estrogen deficiency with osteoarthritis. And to your benefit, I will say when we met that one time, you did bring up the um, the possibility of hormonal replacement therapy. And at that point, I wasn't ready to go that that route. So you, you, yeah. you did bring that to the table. Um, but I read this this research and I, I thought, you know, I'm at the point now that I have tried everything else. I don't think I'm a high risk factor for HRT. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have a history in my family of breast cancer or any of the other cancers that make me a high risk factor. So um, I decided to to research and find an OBGYN who um, specifically had a lot of menopause background and was uh, to boot was an athlete came from an you know worked with athletes and she actually had on has on her uh, webpage that she deals with menopause and athletes and you know a variety of other things as well but I wanted somebody who understands the mindset of an athlete who just doesn't want to stop being an athlete at fifty seven. Right. I I don't want to give up my, my ortho. He, he recommended knee replacement. I don't want knee replacements at 57. I can never play field hockey again. I can never do, you know, uh, karate again. So, um, I, I went to this, uh, OBGYN this past August and we had a really good discussion, a, a really good history of, of everything. And, um, and you know she was she was a little doubtful. She said, "I've I've not heard of estrogen supporting osteoarthritis. Definitely, it supports osteoporosis." But uh, she also said, um, "I'm not against experimenting with you because you you aren't a risk factor, and mm-hmm. actually HRT can help decrease your fatty liver disease." Um, so I'm about two and a half weeks into that. Oh, so interesting. So, um, first of all, I have to say, I feel so much better that an OBGYN <laughs> also did not know <laughs> that estrogen deficiency contributes to osteoarthritis. I actually showed her the article at the end. I'm like, here, this is it. And she scrolled down. She's like, you know, she was looking to see who they were from out of Rutgers. And yeah, she, she hadn't heard it either. It Because wow. it's not studied. We're not studied. Yeah. But oh my God, so much learning and from you right now. So what um may I ask specifically what you're taking? Yes. Yeah, so I'm I'm taking low dose of um estrogen and progesterone. Okay, um, you're taking you that want, every day? I am taking that every day. Do you want the number? Yeah, I would love that. Um I am taking uh yes, 0.5 of estradiol. Mm-hmm. And 2.5 of a pedestrian. I'm not going to try to name the, the whole thing because it's long. And is um, it is it a combination or is it two it's, separate it's things? It's two separate pills. She mm-hmm. she offered me the patch. Uh, I didn't think I was a patch kind of person. I thought that I would just be irritated by that. Um, and, you know, sweating during working out. I didn't think yeah. that would work. Um, so it's two tiny pills that I take the same time every day. Um, again, I'm about two and a half weeks into it. 
I am pleasantly pleased with the changes that I'm I'm feeling. Um, what are those? Well, I can squat again. I did. Uh, wow. I, I, I used to avoid leg day because I don't think there are many leg activities that you can do that don't without revolve, your knees without knees bend, right? <laughs> right. Hinging your knees. Right. Um, but uh, the, my last leg day, um, you know, five sets of 15 body weight squats interspersed amongst the machines. Um, I'm still, you know, I'm staying with the body weight, but I'm getting deeper squats. I could not do that uh, a month ago, three months ago, you know, a year wow. ago. Um, climbing the steps, I'm on the third floor here in my building. I, I Climbing with holding packaging or, you know, uh, coming up my steps in, in our, um, at our house, bringing in groceries, being able to climb with weight. Suddenly I can do those things. Am I pain-free? No. But am I pain mm. decreased? Absolutely. So, wow. you know, we're experimenting and I'm willing to, to keep going until we decide it works or, or doesn't work, but I'm, I'm and- pleased with the results. What what did she tell you or what are you expecting in terms of your weight and that basal metabolic rate? Uh, we didn't talk too much about that. Um, I mean, truth be told, I try to stick to like about 1,100, 1,200 mm-hmm. a day. And mm-hmm. I figure if I'm working out and I'm sticking to that, um, I, have, I have seen weight loss mm-hmm. uh, just through pure uh, pure work, um, Mm. trying to hit the gym four days a week. Um, again, not dieting, but being mindful of what I'm eating, eating, uh, upping my protein. And I have lost, um, about 12 of the 20 pounds. Wow. That's amazing. Since January. So this has been I I have, it has never taken me over, (laughs) over six months to, to, to drop that much weight. Um, but she was actually pleased when I saw her at the beginning of August, I think I was maybe down nine or 10 pounds. And she's wow. like, well, that's not bad. You know, that's pretty no, good. That's good. Um, so I'm just plugging away with that. So I love this so much. And I think it brings up a really important other topic besides the conversations. You know, first of all, what I'm hearing you say in terms of our conversation about conversations is one, doctors tend to stay in their lanes, right? So yeah. like your orthopedist means well, wants the best for you, but he's talking about meniscus surgery, knee replacement surgery. Your GI doctor knows his or her stuff. Uh, obviously, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is a very big deal and really important to know about and address, but maybe doesn't know the connection with menopause. Um, and most importantly for me or any doctor doing routine GYN care uh, on menopausal women, which many, many of us are, you know, we just have to stop for a second and validate and empathize. Mm. And honestly, you know, you know this, but most of the people that work for me and are in my practice are younger than me, right? So if anybody was going to be sensitive to what you were saying, it really should have been me, the the person actually going through menopause along with you. Um, So I think that is a really important take-home point. And then the last thing is, if we don't know, it doesn't mean it's not right. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Just because we don't know that osteoarthritis 
is worsened or aggravated or even maybe caused by estrogen deficiency doesn't mean it's not a thing. And so saying like, I don't know that, but let me read about it. Mm-hmm. Um, saying, hey, if you come across anything, share it with me. I think just being open to the learning piece is really, really important. Um, but the, to the other half of the importance of this menopause conversation very specifically is that hormone replacement conversation. I think that's so critical because years and years and years ago, I remember it distinctly. Uh, I was new to practice. I got a FedEx envelope that I had to sign for at home. And in my experience, the only time I had to sign for a FedEx thing was if it was great news, like there was a check for a million dollars, which never happened, or if it was terrible news, like somebody was suing me, right? Right. So I signed for this skinny, stupid envelope and I opened it up and there's one, a one page letter in there. And it was basically warning all doctors who prescribe hormone replacement therapy about the risks. You're a doctor, you've prescribed HRT, we're sending you this letter because some data just came out that HRT is lethal and deadly and we shouldn't be prescribing it at all and women are dying of breast cancer. I mean, it wasn't worded exactly like that, but that was the Mm -hmm. vibe I got. Mm -hmm. So immediately HRT became poison. Nobody gets HRT, no matter what. But the true, but the pendulum has finally, thank goodness, swung back to this more reasonable place where there is definitely risk. Um, and certainly women who have had breast cancer or have a strong family history of breast cancer, the risks are much higher, but there's tremendous benefit too. And I think we have to always weigh the risks and benefits. And when we talk about the benefits, you know, it can't just be, okay, if you take HRT, uh, your osteoporosis will be better. In fact, that's not really a good reason to take HRT. It's all about the quality of life. So, you know, appreciating that not being able to sleep, gaining weight, having your knees hurt, you know, being in a bad mood, like all of those things impact your quality of life. And therefore, if HRT helps that and your risk is low, the balance is very clear. She, she, she explained to me the risk factors and she said, you know, it looks like you, you don't have a family history that puts you at a higher risk. So um, the benefits of this could possibly outweigh the risk. Um, she also mentioned that, you know, God forbid anybody on HRT does um, uh, get breast cancer. If they do, it's a more treatable version of breast cancer than that off of it. Now, obviously, you know, I'm not willing to take, you know, I don't want to, to, to be in that boat. Um, right. But because I I have I'm I'm healthy and I've got a, a healthy family history, um, those the benefit of it for me for my quality of life, for the weight loss, for the osteoarthritis, for you know the the fatty liver disease as she said this could also positively influence those numbers and and bring down those numbers to I, I don't know I haven't done enough research to see if estrogen deficiency and fatty liver are connected maybe you want to do that next yeah um, no absolutely yeah uh, so obviously for you it makes sense yeah, at least for, for right me, now personally for right now it makes sense yes and you know the other thing to say about HRT is these studies that you know really vilified uh, HRT as a treatment for menopausal women, they, it was when 
women were on HRT for a long time, like many years, right? Um, so what we say now is take the lowest possible dose for as little amount of time as possible. You know, so you were constantly thinking like, are you in a place where you could drop a pill a week? Mm-hmm. Are you in a place where we could reduce the dose? So I think if you go into it with this idea, like this is truly a stage in life, but I'm miserable and I don't want to, I don't want to lose five, six, seven years of my life, you know, mm-hmm. in this transition. But then, you know, at some point, exploring whether it's okay to stop. I think right. that's a very like reasonable middle of the road approach. Um I want to just say one thing about bioidentical hormone replacement. So estrogen and progesterone, you described two tiny pills. Those are synthetic and you get them at the pharmacy and your insurance generally pays for them. You have a Mm -hmm. lower copay. Um, Did you have a conversation with your gynecologist about bioidentical hormones or do you know what that is? I, I don't know what that is. All right. So it's something that comes up a lot. Um, bioidentical hormones are derived naturally. They're usually compounded in a compounding pharmacy. Uh, usually there's some sort of like cream or pellet or something like that. So the benefits of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy is that, uh, they work the same as the synthetics. You will definitely have improvement in your menopause symptoms, but there's a lot of negatives. They're not FDA regulated. Uh, they carry the same risk as synthetics. And that's a common misconception. So people think like if it's natural, it's safer, but it's really not. Um, We don't have any data to suggest they're safer. If anything, we're just like, "Mm, we don't know because nobody's checking. They're just not being regulated. And also they're very, very, very expensive because insurance Mm. companies tend to not cover them. So when people, and I'm saying this sort of as an aside, but it's important because I know women going through menopause are going to watch this podcast, listen to this podcast, really start to dig into whether um, HRT is right for them and then start to think about bioidentical versus synthetic. And I just want to plant the seed that there's pros and cons to everything, but the cons of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy sometimes is not talked about enough. Mm. Um, And for you, Liz, obviously, like you went the simplest route, the prescription route, it's clearly helping you. You're taking it one day at a time. Um, Is there anything that happened in the course of your conversation with your gynecologist that you thought was really great that more of us can take a lesson from? So you researched her, you probably waited a long time to get in with her, right? Yes. um, I didn't have to wait too long, which was super helpful, but I did research. Um, I think for me personally, um, she's an older woman. She um, is a runner. Uh, She um, had a history of playing field hockey as well. We had some commonality there. Wow. Um, So she has also gone through menopause. And I think just because she, she comes from an active background, um, I think she came in hearing like how distressed I had been uh, that this aspect of my life was uh, subpar because of my symptoms. And I think that was really helpful. Uh, however, on the flip side, she did recommend, um, maybe in, instead of, you know, some of the exercise I was doing that I, I should try sprint training. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. 
H-I-I-T, sprint training. It's just not going to happen right now. We, because... we all love that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't run. Uh, um, but are you pos- are you comfortable? Sorry, are you comfortable sharing her name? Uh, yes, Dr. Belair, B-E-L-L-A-I-R-E. I know Dr. Belair. Great. Okay. Awesome. So plug for Dr. Belair. I apologize to Dr. Belair because uh, I've also posted about this on Facebook and had so many people reach out to me in message. Can you please share the name of the doctor? So she's going to get this run of of new patients uh, between (laughs) my my post and in your podcast. Uh, So I apologize, Dr. Belair. (laughs) No, I'm sure she appreciates the confidence. So Okay, so maybe we should cool it in the conversations about hit trading and sprint <laughs> trading. And I, I, I do think it's a little bit of that, you know, Dr. ADD that we have like, duh, you just said you can't squat or run. And we just told you to run fast. <laughs> like, where's that disconnect? Um, awesome, Liz. If If there was one thing you could leave our groups of listeners with, I want you to mm. leave out patients with one message and our healthcare providers with one message. Could you do that? Uh, sure. I guess as, as patients, um, I guess the one thing I would say is we, we just have to be our own advocates. We, we can't wait to, you know, we can't just come in with symptoms, I think, uh, and, and just, you know, hand these symptoms at the foot of our doctors and, and hope for the best without also just doing research and advocating and just being um, educated on, on uh, you know, maybe what's causing those symptoms or, or um, what's out there in the research. Um, I, I, if I had not pursued this, I would still be, you know, where I was a, a year ago, year and a half ago. Um, as far as as doctors, I, again, I love all my doctors. I love you, Dr. Meyer. <laughs> I, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't uh, have any ill will from that, that set, that meeting. Um, I'm so I, glad to hear I that. I my eyes. I was just like, <laughs> you know, it's okay. It's her opinion. Um, but just as we spoke earlier for, for a doctor, just to take some time and see the individual, to see the patient as an individual rather than maybe uh, an age bracket or a subset. Um, I, I have a, a quick funny story about that. When I first went to my my orthopedist uh, for, uh, and I've been seeing him for years and years. Um, when I first went to him, he he made a, an offhand uh, joke about me being a weekend warrior. Mm-hmm. And I kind of took offense to that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I work out all week long. I'm in sports. I'm not just some weekend warrior. And he heard me. Mm. Uh, and from that point on, he, you know, because he's he's younger than me and he's a fit young uh, ortho guy that, that works with, with sports patients mostly. And, you know, here's this middle-aged woman coming in. Um, but he heard me and, and never again did he make that joke. Um, oh. And he would, you know, he, he saw me as, he respected me for the individual that I was after that. Wow. Um, so he remembered. And yes. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Yes. So, so much good advice in your um, story, Liz. So, you know, I'll just 
sum it up. I mean, for me, lesson learned, you know, if you don't know, just say that, maybe acknowledge that even though something is a part of life, it's not, it's impacting people's quality of life so much. And, you know, by the time a patient decides to seek out medical care, they've already like been through it. Especially Um, me, right? Because you know me, I don't ever go to the doctor. No, exactly. They've really gotten to a point where they're like, shoot, I really need some help. And and that's what we're there for. Um, And then a couple of other, you know, side pieces of information that I want people to take away from this, which I'm really so pleasantly surprised about are, you know, obviously, if you're suffering from osteoarthritis, and you're a menopausal woman, talk about that, because that's definitely a thing. Uh, Two, uh, HRT is not the devil. You know, there's a time and a place and patients and doctors just need to be open to having the conversation. And three, as a really, you know, interesting but important little aside, if you're gaining weight in menopause or anywhere, maybe consider getting your basal metabolic rate checked because that definitely, like you said, if nothing else, it validates the fact that I'm really not sitting there eating ice cream all night. Like my body's not cooperating. And if I could jump in, checked with an actual machine and not with the mathematical formula, because I don't think that mathematical formula is skewed for women in menopause. Right. No, no, you're right. And definitely we know that the breath uh, analysis, while it's a little hard to get to, you have to see a nutritionist. Um, Most doctors don't have them. is definitely much more reliable. Um, any last thoughts, Liz? No. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still in the journey. I'm, I'm feeling hopeful. Um, I'm feeling stronger than I, I have been in a long while and, and, uh, feel like I'm coming back to my own. And I just, I just want other women to not give up in this, this age and stage of their lives. Mm, I love that. It's such great advice. Great uh, point to end on. And I'll say to my listeners, you know, Liz, you've been on your HRT now for a couple of weeks. I would love to have you come back maybe in a couple of months Mm -hmm. and just kind of update us on how you're doing and what your plan is, because this is definitely a journey. And I think following along would be so helpful for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm I'm to to. Check in with Dr. Belair on another appointment um, at the three-month mark, and then we will decide from there whether it's time to take a break from it, decrease from it, is it working, uh, what are the results at that point. For my listeners, thank you for tuning into this really uh, timely for me personally episode of Tell Me More. I have some lessons to cement. Um, If you have a story about a healthcare conversation that was good or bad or that impacted your health in any way, please reach out to me, Christine at Christine Meyer, MD. I can't wait for you to tell me more. Thank you so much for listening. Are you ready to join our conversation? Just go to Facebook and search Christine Meyer, MD. Follow us to join 14,000 other people committed to creating better conversations in healthcare.